This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Father, um, we honor you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Ancient of Days, the beginning and the end, the one who is over all things and as Paul writes, who's over all and in all and through all. Ask that you would anoint this time, that you would guide our words and questions that would be honoring to you. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to share our stories. And I pray that you would use them to encourage others in the body of Christ and maybe others who don't know you yet, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the Candid Life Podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I'm your host, Lydia Gago. Today's topic, resurrection life, finding hope in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Our guest today is no stranger to the truth of the scripture. Zoe Anna Williams has studied, lived, and worked in multiple countries and has a passion for mutual learning in cross-cultural relationships. She recently completed a master's degree in organizational leadership and loves to share her research regarding the impact of culture and worldview on our leadership. She currently works in leadership development, worship, and outreach at Summit Church in Garden City, where we met. Off work hours, she enjoys being active and outdoors, baking paleo desserts, having deep conversations with friends and family, studying scripture, and praying with others. Zoe, welcome to The Candid Life. Thank you, Lydia. Oh, I'm you know, the first time I heard one of your podcasts, I just was so struck by the words you use turning our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. That is something only God's spirit could do. So, so true, you know, because so often we come to the Lord with broken pieces and we wonder whether God can really take those broken pieces and do something with them. But I believe mm-hmm. you and I can testify to the fact that yes yes he can and i think you know like you you mentioned earlier it is when we feel the weakest that we experience the power of god coming through in mm-hmm. strength you know when i met you the first time at the poetry event there was just a sweet spirit that you had this authenticity and vulnerability that really attracted me to want to get to know you a little better. And that's why I felt, listen, I just have to invite this lady onto the podcast. (laughs) Something about her that everybody needs to get to experience. And that Mm -hmm. is just authenticity and openness and just knowing that, you know, the Lord is at work in us and through us at every stage of our life. So thank you again for being on The Candid Life. It is an honor. (laughs) So before we get into the deeps, I just wanted to just say, you know, Zoe, you've traveled a lot, but I wanted to find out, first of all, a little bit more about your family life and the people who influenced you 
and motivated you to go abroad? Well, I was eight years old uh, when I read an article in Decision Magazine, and it was about Malawi. And somehow in my little girl heart, I said, I'm going to go there someday. <laughs> and that was probably the first time when I think the Holy Spirit put a heart for the nations within me. I was really privileged to have the opportunity to begin traveling to other countries as a teenager. And then I'm the youngest of four kids. So by the time I came around, my older siblings had paved the way. <laughs> so my parents let me travel. I was very surprised, but they are also missionaries. And so they, uh, my dad is a man of faith and my mother, a woman of prayer and the word. And, you know, they just encouraged me to go for it. And so um, I began serving overseas at 14. And then I did end up having the opportunity to go to Malawi about 12 years later, I think when I was 28. So God did fulfill that dream in between several other countries. But that was how it first started. So I'm curious, though, you went to Malawi, and of course, you visited quite a number of countries, you say. Uh, What kind of work have you been doing when you've gone to these various countries? Again, I just count it a privilege. I've traveled with different organizations over the years, um, but I think the priority has been to connect with people who are already based in country, whether it be um, native people to the country who um, are followers of Jesus and wanting and needing some support, either you know physical manual labor support and supplies, or even just encouragement um, from other brothers and sisters in Christ. Some countries we've been able to do covert evangelism through teaching. So in the sense of we do go to work there and teach um, English, for example, mm-hmm. but also just naturally building relationships with the students and allowing them to ask us questions about what they may see in our lives, because, you know, Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And to those who are being saved, the word says in Corinthians that it's the fragrance of life, and they're going to be curious mm-hmm. and want that. Mm-hmm. So during that time of travel, which particular experience really struck home for you? Hmm. Oh, that's such a good question, Lydia. And be specific in terms of country, because you've been to quite a number of places. And I think that will really help our listeners as well to connect a little bit more. I think um, the thought that comes to mind, Lydia, is both in Cambodia and in Nicaragua, I had the chance to travel to remote communities where the poverty level was extreme and the people that the native people there that God had called to be pastors in their villages, um, to be evangelists, to share the gospel, they were so full of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. so full of scripture. And, you know, in one in Nicaragua, they had one light bulb that was all of their electricity. And so, um, you know, we fished for our food and we helped them to, to build the foundations of their first gathering space for the church that was growing on that Island. Mm -hmm. Um, But I honestly feel like these men and women of God ministered to our hearts even more because And maybe it is because when you have less physical things, there's more space in our hearts and in our minds for for the Lord's word and for his truth to fill. Mm. That's good. Yes. I like that. And in Cambodia, we worked in a children's home. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of these children still have families 
mm-hmm. that they can't afford to support them. So they send them to this home and they have very godly house parents. And now the children's home has grown. They've built new facilities and I'm still able to be in touch with them through the internet, which I'm grateful for once in a while. Um, but yeah, they want to give these children a solid educational experience and also a solid spiritual foundation so that they can go to be leaders in their communities and in their countries. I remember one one leader in Africa said, we need to pray not just for godly men and women and not just for capable leaders. We need to pray for both because often what causes such corruption is we have capable leaders who do not know the Lord or we have godly people who don't know how to lead well. So this was in the Central African Republic. He said, please pray for godly, capable leaders to lead our countries. That is so good. I'm curious about the children that you said were in this special home. Do the parents get to visit them? Often they would go to visit the parents, actually, because... So the um, the connection is still maintained. Yes. Um, And we actually got to travel into the villages um, with them. We met the mother of one of the the young men who was, he was so sweet that he was a teenager at the time, but we had taken up an offering for her because she was dealing with a very severe illness. Mm-hmm. And because the Cambodian, our Cambodian hosts knew how to, to give her that, those funds in a way that was culturally acceptable, he was able to do that. But she immediately gave half of it back to us for her son. Wow. And, you know, she's going through life-altering disease. And she just said, this is for my son. And when we got back to the children's home later that day, the son took me and a few others for a walk. You know, we went walking with some of the kids. And he, with some of that money, bought us (laughs) some street food, you know. And I'm just, oh, I was just floored by their generosity. Mm. Um, They honestly shared everything. And I saw this in some some of the African countries I was in too, they're so open-handed and generous with what they've been given. Mm-hmm. You know, out of what they receive, they give back. Just such a powerful thing. Through your traveling, you know, life took a little bit of a turn and things got a little challenging for you. Can you just share briefly what happened? Sure. The last significant amount of time I spent overseas was in 2015 to 2016. And I did get sick. I mean, when you travel, you kind of (laughs) know that you might get sick. I had a severe bacterial infection, though, for two weeks in one of the countries. And then I came home and I had a parasite as well that they discovered. The miracle in that instance was the Lord sustained me through my entire trip. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I came home, I crashed and I could barely walk around the block. Um, It took me a while to find the right medical help. You know, I went to the urgent care and then I kind of survived for about a year until my friend said, you need to go to a doctor. But um, the first medical practitioner I went to explained to me uh, because of this, what my body had been through, my immune system function was very low, leaving my body very vulnerable. And over the course of the next few years, almost every major organ in my body was affected because of the weakened immunity. Mm-hmm. Any treatment that they were able to offer to, to help you during this time? Yes, I um, throughout the course of the next few years, 
I think worked with five or six medical practitioners and all had different specialties. Um, but the main focus was to strengthen my immune system so that it could start fighting off okay. infection on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of giving me medication to cover up symptoms, sure. um, they wanted my body to become strong again. And so I'll get into a little bit more of that later as well. That's fine. So during this discovery and you're getting a little bit of support, I mean, how did that affect you? I mean, you're a spiritual woman. You've, mm-hmm. you went out there to serve the Lord and, you know, you, you come back and you, you're dealing with all this stuff right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did that affect your faith and where did you find comfort during that time? Oh, that's such a good question, Lydia, and a very vulnerable one for me, even going back to some of my journals. I know uh, the Lord gave me grace to still be in scripture, in community. Um, And I can also tell you, I went through depression and some spiritual warfare, and I um, really struggled with reason to live when I was so sick. I was ready ready to go home and be with the Lord. So, um, but I think being in God's word and being in community with other followers of Jesus and also continuing in worship and Thanksgiving mm-hmm. have been key practices throughout all of life's struggles for me that I still need to grow in doing. Okay. Well, let me just reintroduce you. If you are joining us, this is the Candid Life podcast. Uh, And I'm your host, Lydia Gago. Today's topic, Resurrection Life, Finding Hope in the Wasteland. And we are joined with Zoe Anna Williams, and she's just sharing her story of God's grace and God's mercy and his strength through this challenging time. Mm -hmm. So when did you become part of the, uh, the Summit Church? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that wasn't until quarantine, actually, 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a fun story. I was furloughed from my job. And so I got an unexpected sabbatical mm-hmm. and was praying about my next steps. And also on the side was praying for my friends who were starting up this church plant in Garden City, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll go visit and see if that's something maybe God would have me be part of. Um this, this new effort in Garden City for the kingdom with the Holy Spirit. And the day before the church service, my friend called me um, and she happens to be the wife of the, the pastor. And she said, hey, I hate to do this to you, but our worship leader just got sick. Can you lead worship tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, that's funny because I was actually planning on coming tomorrow anyway. and the rest is history. <laughs> um, the Lord, you know, led us to to work together for the last couple of years. And really the heartbeat of Summit Church, which I shared with you mm-hmm. a little bit last week, um, rescue, rebuild and empower. So a heart to reach out through evangelism and rescue those who sit in darkness without light. Mm-hmm. Um through discipleship and again being plugged in uh, with other believers and plugged into God's word and prayer mm-hmm. and then empowerment is leadership development and that's a huge part of um, you, you know why I studied my master's degree in organizational 
leadership and just coaching and learning how to, again, second Timothy 2.22, like pass it on, raise up other leaders because every assignment I'm becoming more and more aware that every assignment we have on earth will have an end date. So who's going to come behind me? Absolutely. Rescue, rebuild, and empower. So back to your story. When did that rescue moment come in for you? Mm, that's a because good you talked about going through a season of depression. You talked about wanting to end it all. Wanted to go and be with the Lord because there was just such a shift. You talked about a prophetic word that came. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, one day I... This was probably in 2017. I was a year into being sick, about a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And one day I was studying scripture. And sometimes I like to look up the words in the original Greek and Hebrew because I find it adds such color and depth to the verses. Mm -hmm. Um, I ran across a new word for me in the Greek. I may not say it correctly, but it's zoa poleo, Mm -hmm. where we derive the English word zoe, meaning life. For example, in John 10, 10, Jesus stated, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Mm -hmm. So the word Zoe or Zoe means abundant life, vitality. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And went about my business, didn't tell anyone about it. And about a week later, as I was praying with a group of friends, a brother in Christ heard a word from the Lord for me. Um, it was a prophetic word, which was kind of new for me, a, a Rima word. Um, and it was, I'm, I'm going to give you a new name and it means life. Wow. Um, it was a life that I didn't feel at the time because I was so sick, but it was inner spiritual life and purpose that the Lord was declaring over me. And as I learned later, Zoe in Greek is not just the word for a biological life, but for when your soul is alive, like resurrection life. Mm. And I knew in that moment that I would start going by Zoe. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Lord giving people new names is very scriptural. Abraham to Abra- or Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Saul to Paul, Simon to Peter, but up until that point, I hadn't met anyone in my present day experience who had been given a new name from the Lord. I have now met others, but it was a little confusing at first, not only for others around me, but also for myself. But I will say the Father was so kind to confirm this new name for me as I began to doubt if it was really from Him. Um, for example, a few weeks later, I went on a road trip with a group of friends up the East coast. And when we met one of our hosts and introduced ourselves, the woman gave me a hug and she said, Oh, the Lord told me there would be a Zoe here. So My like, goodness. Oh, okay. I guess this is really a thing. That's fantastic. The confirmation of two witnesses, right? Yeah. Just yeah. confirm that. Yes, this is of the Lord. And I mean, I'm sure when <laughs> I can almost picture this leap in your spirit when mm-hmm. lady said there's going to be a zoe in the house i mean how did you feel it was uh, many of my friends that had been part of that original prayer when god gave that rima word they were also there with me that day mm-hmm. and it was just so comforting you know for mm-hmm. for us you know for me especially but 
we're not making this up, you know, (laughs) this is something that God is putting into motion and speaking over me again, even though I didn't feel it at the Mm -hmm. time, physically, especially, Mm -hmm. and sometimes emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, That's good. I mean, that's a powerful name because as people speak over you, there's just a constant stream um, reminder that God's life is being poured into you. You know, because like you said, you mentioned earlier, the thief comes to still kill and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life more abundantly. So you're speaking life and you're canceling the lies of the enemy, isn't it? That's so powerful. Oh, that's good. I got to write that down. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's either you're speaking one and you're canceling another. That's just basically Mm -hmm. how it is. As people speak over you, you cancel the lie of the enemy. You shut him up. The accuser of the brethren is constantly being shut up every time somebody speaks your name. And that's powerful. So as you are um, really walking by faith, you know, walking by faith, not by sight, uh, pressing through day at a time, you know, even sometimes when your emotions don't line up, um, how has God been using these experiences to help you minister to others? And then also, what has this experience taught you about God? First of all, I have to apologize. I misquoted. It was Second Timothy 2.2, not 2.22 <laughs> for passing things on. That's okay. Um, but for one of the things that comes to mind that I would love to share with you is something I've actually been praying recently for myself and others who have gone through or are going through intense difficulty, um, suffering, hardship, even perplexities and distresses, like the Amplified Version says in, um, I believe it's 2 Corinthians. Um, But the the difference between having a victim mentality as we go through suffering and suffering with Christ. Mm. So can I just share a few things? My dad and I sat down during quarantine, actually, and began this list and I have added to it since then, um, suffering with Christ, some of the things that characterize it, trust versus bitterness, humility versus God, I deserve X, Y, Z, being others centered versus being me centered, having hope instead of despair, being dependent on God versus hard hearted and self-sufficient experiencing grace and freedom instead of shame and condemnation, understanding God's character and his goodness instead of thinking God doesn't care, he doesn't love me. And I would say I struggled with a lot of those victim mentalities, especially throughout my sickness. And even praying now um, for the ability to invite others in when, when you're going through hardship versus repelling others or isolating ourselves praying for a sense of purpose instead of, oh, this is just futile, you know, feeling fatalistic. There's no purpose in this. And then just being able to to sense his love instead of feeling a lack of worth Mm. um, and say, Jesus, I'm yours, no matter what season I may be in, instead of asking others or asking our situations in life, tell me who I am. So that is a, I think a list of, things that summarize as well what I learned about things I can be tempted toward when I'm going through hardship 
Um, and also about God, because I really was confronted with the temptation to doubt God's love for me in the midst of heartache. Um, so just like you said, declaring the truth over ourselves, even when I may not feel it to be true. Mm -hmm. That's good. You know, family with that, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, I have that one question that Zoe has to answer. We'll be back soon. Welcome back to the Candidate Podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I'm your host, Lydia Gago. And we have been engaging in what I find a really life-changing discussion with Zoe Anna Williams, looking at the topic of resurrection life, finding hope in the wasteland. And Zoe, before I ask you our final question, I really appreciate what you've been sharing earlier on about the victim mentality and, uh, and just all the various points that you gave there. What did you find God has taught you what has he shown of himself oh that's so good his nearness mm. is one thing that comes to mind you know I'll share a couple couple passages of scripture that have meant a lot to me mm -hmm. um, I think it was March of 2020 I was listening to um, a sermon and the pastor was speaking on a passage from Paul's letter to the Philippians and in chapter one Paul writes for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I thought, oh, I, I really get the second part. I'm ready to go home, Jesus, whenever you want to take me. But then the pastor explained that in the original Greek, this verse was written almost like a drumbeat. Live, mm. Christ, die, gain. Live, Christ, die, gain. And in that moment, I knew it was like a tattoo over my heart that there is a reason for me to be living here with Christ. He has purpose for me here. Mm. And as Psalm 27 says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous in the midst of all the storms of life. Um, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And I think another key verse that comes to mind, Lydia, um, is from Psalm 93. And I'll just look it up right now um, because sometimes the waves of this world seem very strong. I remember when I was in the Philippines, we actually went to the ocean the day after a tsunami <laughs> and the ocean still looks very tumultuous and the waves were about five feet. And so of course, being the young adults we were at the time, we decided to be a good idea to go swimming in it. <laughs> And one of the waves just picked me up and like I scraped my foot against the ocean floor. And um, that's how life feels. Sometimes you feel powerless against the waves. Um, but Psalm 93 has just come around and around to me again and again. It says, um, your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas 
mightier than the breakers on the shore. The Lord above is mightier than these. That's really powerful. You know, just knowing that God is near. God is near. Even when we scrape our feet mm-hmm. on the ocean floor, God is near and he lifts us up. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Sure. That's a lot of hope. Every day is a choice to live because life can be so overwhelming. Mm. But knowing that we have a God who is more powerful than life's circumstances mm. is comforting to know that we can take every step in hope and in faith and in strength. He empowers us in those places where we feel weak. Oh, that's so good. It's good to know that. Yes, yes, Mm. yes. So Zoe, as somebody who has really experienced and continues to experience the resurrection life of Christ, you know, it's not a phantom feeling out there. It is a real feeling because you have lived it you've seen God resurrect you Mm. out of the the doldrums out of the that dark place of death and breathed new life and giving you new hope a new purpose for living what does it mean for you to live the candid life now that is also a very vulnerable question Uh, my friend and I recently were just talking about the God of the process Mm. All with, I was talking with one doctor about some of the ongoing pain and the digestive issues I was having at the time, and I was discouraged that day. I remember saying to this doctor, I'm praying for a miracle, and she looked at me and said, I think you're in the middle of one. Hmm. I never thought about that possibility. You know, sometimes I think about miracles, you know, Jesus touched me, heal me, you know, and I will be healed, like Jeremiah says. Um, But now almost a year and one surgery later, I have more energy than I've ever had in my life. I I still have tired days, but everyone has tired days. I I still encounter struggles and disappointments and I still cry out to God for help. But I am learning how to suffer with Christ instead of stiff arming him um, and how to invite others in. And that is vulnerable and it's not easy and it's humbling, but um, I will say it's such a treasure as well. Mm. Feel in the place of your deepest vulnerability that you're embraced. Mm -hmm. Loved. Yeah. Mm. That right there is the beauty. Because so often when we are struggling as people, we don't want to show our weaknesses. Nope. (laughs) Right? We don't want to show our weaknesses because we think people are going to look down on us. Mm -hmm. And yet in that place of vulnerability, when we recognize that the person that we're dealing with could be us, we could be swapping positions right there. Mm-hmm. I could be in a place one day where I'm, I'm, I'm extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I would want people to extend grace towards me. Mm-hmm. I would want people to extend understanding. Yeah. I would want people to come alongside me and help me to move forward through the process. Mm-hmm. If we are able to do that for each other, this world would definitely be a different place. 
we would not be quick to judge each other. We would be quick to come alongside each other for the common good. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that is what God wants us to do. That's how we show love to one another, when mm -hmm. we're able to come alongside each other in those places where we feel weak, you know, mm -hmm. and say, you know, if I open up to this person, it's okay. I'm going to be loved anyway. So good. Pray for people who are really challenged, not only just in the area of illness, but just who who really struggle with being vulnerable because they feel judged or they feel less than, mm -hmm. or they feel that they can't open up and really show their true colors mm -hmm. because they won't be um, respected or they'll lose their respect. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of that, uh, that woman who came to the Lord with the alabaster box and just poured that perfume yes. um, on Jesus's feet and wept. And she went away whole because mm -hmm. she was able to just present herself vulnerable before the Lord. Mm. That God would open up the hearts of people to know that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, to be vulnerable, not just before the Lord, but to be vulnerable with each other, because that's where health comes, that's where healing comes, that's where hope comes. And that whoever they are vulnerable in front of will welcome them. Mm -hmm. Right? And will find strength. Mm -hmm. So can you pray for us? Can you pray for us and pray for the people who are listening that they may find hope in this? My steady hope is found upon no other ground than the one who laid his life down for me, Jesus, my Redeemer. Lord, I'm letting go of my need to know and to understand. I will submit my ways, knowing you make straight every path I take. So I will lift your name, let go, and simply praise. I let go. I humbly give my life to you. Be still and know my anxious heart in your presence, God. I'm giving up control. Lord, as these lyrics were speaking to my heart this morning from the song Let Go, I know that there's someone here who might be listening and needs to know that like Hagar in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, they are already seen. They're known. All of their struggle is known by the God who hears and the God who sees us. And I pray that like Hagar, they could say, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Like the psalmist says, that they would pour out their hearts to you, God, and, and find that you're big enough for all of, all of our struggle, for all of our big emotions. And Lord, I pray for even just one safe person, not a perfect person, but a safe person, a, even a brother or sister in Christ who could listen and just represent your open arms for them in the struggle, Lord. Somebody who's willing to, to be still with them, to grieve with them. I pray that they would know like Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter five, that blessed are those who mourn and who shed tears for they will be comforted. And Lord, I pray that 
just like the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that, that they would be able to go on to comfort others with the comfort they themselves have received from you, God. Even if they don't understand the purpose now, that they would be able to pass on the comfort that they've received from you. In the name of Jesus, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Zoe, can I just say a very, very big thank you for coming on to The Candid Life. It's mm -hmm. been an absolute pleasure and a treasure. <laughs> I will say, Lydia, <laughs> there was a time when I wasn't ready to share this story yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful that the Lord connected us and just put it on your heart to step out in courage and ask, ask if I would share this. And it was time. It was time to share this story. And obviously I'm still a work in progress <laughs> for listening to his little nudge. Absolutely. And I believe we all are a work in progress, right? But we trust that, you know, he who has begun a good work in us will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. We are a people of hope. Amen. So family all over the world, thank you so much for your support. And yes, I feel the love like a steady wind behind me as I sit down and produce these podcasts with these amazing guests. You know, I would love to hear your thoughts and your contributions. So please connect with me on livethecandidlife at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at Lydia Gago. Subscribe and share the podcast with friends and family. And like I said, I have only one promise. When you listen to this podcast, the stories you hear will inspire, challenge, and empower you to live differently so that you can impact your generation and the next for good. Remember your story matters because you matter. So live the candid life 24-7. God bless you. Naendeshwa na Afripods.